everyone, welcome back to the Kicks and Picks podcast. Coach Steve here with Scotty. Nick again, MIA. He claims it's for work, Scotty. He says he's in Vegas working. Hopefully he's doing research for the pod because we are coming off a bloodbath of a weekend. Not the way we wanted to finish episode 100, all those picks for naught because it was it was just bad. Uh, I, I mean, I'll just give it to you straight. One in nine minus 8.09 units on the weekend. Put a big dent in our season total. Scotty, only one way to go up. Uh, and that's up, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, I can't do any worse. Uh, I was 0-3. I, t- I think I made the mistake of trying to get a little bit too much value in, in some of these favorites that, um, you know, I went with the first half money lines instead of the regular money lines. Uh, and Man City was down versus West Ham to start the half. Um, I had Fulham, who didn't get their goal until the second half. Um, so it, it's not it's not been good um, for, for me. So uh, obviously I'll, I'll be can't do worse than this than this weekend um the pod lock also first loss of the season atletico put up an absolute dud against valencia um didn't see that coming um so now we we, we no longer have an unblemished record for the pod lock but like you said it's we were one and nine we have to do better this weekend yeah rough weekend i mean i i can say look if you had taken money line on your three you win all three of those bets if i had uh you know had a little bit better luck i think at least two of mine would have hit i mean Union Berlin outchanced, uh, I think it was Wolfsburg uh, or Bremen. I can't remember off the top of my head who they played. I, I, I'm just pushing that match out of my memory. But the XG for, for the team that beat them, one of the teams in green there, and the wounds, like I'm going to double check right now, their their XG was like 0.23 or something. They had two goals. So it was, it was one of those matches where scoreline didn't match the way the match was played. And then the one that hurt even more probably than that was my Monaco money line pick. Because Monaco was up 2-1. I want to say it was the 98th minute they gave up the tying goal. <laughs> 98th minute. And, yeah. you know, when, when you have money line at a decent number, I had minus 115. It was Wolfsburg that beat Union. Um, and just to clarify, the XG for Wolfsburg was 0.36, Union 1.15, and they lost 2-1. Monaco, like I said, 98th minute goal in a matchup. was supposed to have six minutes of stoppage time, I believe, as I was tracking it. Uh, so that was tough. And then Borussia Mönchengladbach, uh, they ended up coming back and drawing 3-3, but they were down most of the match against newly promoted sides. So that, that was not a good one. But um, yeah, it's, it, was, it was a rough weekend all around. You know things are bad when we're pulling out all the XG yeah. stats because that's usually what you do when you're like, Trying no, I was right. The, I yeah. just got unlucky. Look at this made-up metric yeah. that really doesn't tell much besides just who took shots on yeah. goal. It's like if this match had played out the way it was supposed to be played, then guess what? I'm 3-0. And, you know, it's kind of you – try to make yourself feel a little bit better about losing all the bets. It makes you say, okay, at least I read it in, in terms of the way the match was played. Just The, the goals sometimes don't come or, or they do come the other way when they're not supposed to. Um, Nick got our only if win. If Nick was here, as I say, if Nick was here, he would say we had the right reads. We just yes. didn't get the ball to break the way we needed yeah, it. The, the reads were right in many cases, just uh, maybe a little too late in your matches, and and the ball just bounced the wrong way in my matches. Nick got the only win with uh, Villa. He did have money line. Uh, he had a tough loss because well, Inter Miami. He took assuming Messi was going to play, didn't play. That that hurts there. Uh, stayed home, ate his pizza. Yeah, stayed home. So not ideal for us, but just to recap the weekend before we get into this weekend, um, in the Premier League, it was Liverpool kicking things off. Your boys got a 3-1 win at Wolves. They again conceded yeah. first for anybody who's been following Scott's advice yeah. to take Liverpool to concede first, uh, take their opponent to score first. Uh, Brighton, big 3-1 win over Manchester United. I think that was kind of the statement game there in, in the league. Newcastle got a very, very important one nothing went over Brentford at home. Much needed for them. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea shut out by Bournemouth. 0-0 draw there. Um, the first 0-0 draw in the Premier League this season. And, of course, it's Chelsea. Like, insane. who else but Chelsea? That's pretty insane that you're now five match weeks in, so that's 50 matches. Yeah. So I think it was, the, one zero it was the 46th match of the season, I think, was what, it, what they, they claimed. Wow. So, um, and then and Tottenham, you you missed Tottenham yes. with the the two goals in in stoppage yes. time to go from being you know down one zero to Sheffield United at home uh, would have been I guess Poste Koglu's first home loss in in 
many, many years because he, he didn't lose at home either and in his previous club. Um, but no, they, they turned it around in like the 96th and then in like the 90 plus 10. I don't even and know. I don't know how I forgot I guess the 100th that minute. one because I had a little parlay on the side. It was uh, Spurs. It was first team to two goals in that one. Was, I had Spurs. I think I had Villa. And then I had, I think, a match in Serie A and like a match in uh, the Bundesliga of France. It was like four matches. And, and that was when I was really sweating out um, and ended up getting it, thankfully. Because um, they, they, they took a while to score that goal. They, they took until the yeah. 90 plus 8 and the 90 plus 10 to get their two goals. Insane. Um, and then Sheffield got a, a right card shortly thereafter. But crazy that much stoppage time. <laughs> when, when you win a bet that way, it makes you feel like, okay, maybe my luck wasn't so crappy. And that was early in the day on Saturday. So I thought maybe I was going to have a good weekend after that. Obviously, the locks did not pan out. But I did I did make a little bit there to, to kind of make up for it. Um, anything jump out at you there in, in those matches, Scott? Maybe especially the, the Brighton against United result. We talked about all the drama that was swirling around United. We're recording on Tuesday. I know most people won't hear this till probably after United plays in Champions League, but they got to go to Bayern tomorrow. I mean, th- things could get a little bit ugly for them. Yeah, it's not good. Um, it's one of those issues where it, you don't really know where to start from a squad perspective. Like, it, it, things aren't clicking. I think people kind of believe in, in Ten Hag for the most part. I think a lot of the um, discussion has been around, like, you can't really blame Ten Hag for the slow start right now, which is tough because... Uh, you know, you have a squad full of, you know, pretty solid players that performed really well last season. Um, obviously, there's been some some controversies that's kind of cut out, you know, two of their their key wingers and um, in, in Sancho and Anthony. So a um, little bit of difficulty there, but still like the, the key pieces are still there. Um, it's just been like a, a little bit of drop in play. And yeah, I think this result, I think it does two things. Like I think it's kind of damning on Manchester United and where they are to start this season. Um, they find themselves now down very much in the middle of the table, sitting in 13th place, uh, albeit tied with Newcastle. But we've said time and time again, Newcastle have had by far the hardest schedule to start this season. Um, but I also think it's pretty impressive in, in what, what's going on at Brighton and what Deserby has been doing. Yeah. Um, I think they there was a stat that they showed on Sky Sports over the weekend where since Deserby has taken over for uh, Brighton, they've been in at the top or in the top three for most of these attack, attacking statistics like shots on target, um, and, and touches inside the box. And, it, and I think that just kind of speaks to the style of play that he's tried to implement and successfully implemented. So um, I think it's it's good news for Brighton. Um, I was talking with uh, my good friend uh, Benty on, on his stream last weekend, um, and he asked me, you know, if, if you could recommend one club for someone who was going to start watching the Premier League and wanted to get into it, uh, maybe not necessarily a top club that's just going to be, you know, sitting at the top from the begin- from the beginning, but something that you can grow with. Yeah, I said Brighton. I think that's the easiest one right now. I think their model has really been proven to be successful and that they've sold off tons of really strong players that are now playing, you know, in top clubs in England and, and elsewhere. Um, but they're still ticking. You know, they never really, you know, lost a step. Um, and, I, and that's the type of thing that is sustainable, right? Like you're not talking about a, a club that's doing really well because they have a great manager. I'll kind of say Brentford, I think, kind of falls into that category. I think if, if Thomas Frank leaves, you'll see them drop back down maybe towards the bottom half of the table. Um, they've been sitting mid-table to upper table for, for most of the last season and a half. Um, and, and they're not being dragged along by like a single you know star player um, that if he's sold, you know your club is going to struggle. So uh, very much a, a point for uh, Brighton as much as it is a point against United in that match. Um, elsewhere, I think we were kind of intrigued by, by City and, and, and West Ham. Um, City right now have been getting out to some slow starts themselves, right? They they were down one nothing at half uh, against West Ham, uh, turned it around in the second half, scored three goals. Did the same thing today against uh, uh, Red Star Belgrade, right? They they were down one nothing in their Champions League match at home, um, but obviously managed to turn it around again, uh, one three to one. So that there's something interesting going on there. That's that's very uncity like. Um, usually they are unstoppable top to bottom. Uh, but they've been very vulnerable in these, these early moments of the match. Um, it, I don't know if it's something to be concerned about yet, but it is a, a point to kind of take note of. And, and from a gambling perspective, certainly ways to find value. Yeah, because there's not usually much uh, value when you're, met, when you're talking City because, yeah, the other teams usually get a big money line number, a big draw-no-bet number, but it's hard to hit those numbers because City, and in the end, tends to win those matches. Uh, so it's something to keep an eye on for sure if they're conceding first and then having to come back over and over. 
again, they are the only perfect team in the league at 5-0 and with uh, only three goals conceded best defense in the league. Shout out to Brighton for having the best attack in the league right now. 15 goals scored in five matches, so that's something to keep an eye on. It really seems like at the moment, Scott, the top of the table is kind of starting to separate itself a little bit from some of the teams that maybe thought they'd be there. Obviously, it's only five matches in, but just some early observations. Now, I guess one, a little over one-eighth into the season. Um, City, 15 points. Spurs, I think to me, is a surprise at 13 points, and we'll get into them a little bit later because the London North London Derby is this weekend. Liverpool, 13. They're having a nice rebound season. Uh, they've revamped the midfield a bit like you had hoped, and it's starting to pan out for them. Arsenal, 13 points as well. Remember, they're the team that's supposed to really challenge City for the title this year. And then Brighton, 12 points. I think those five right now have kind of established themselves as, as the top five teams in the league so far. Um, because you have to go way down the table for Newcastle in 12th, United in 13th, and Chelsea in 14th on 6, 6, and 5 points. We talked about Newcastle schedule. That has a lot to do with it, I think. I think there will be plenty of room for them to rebound. But the bigger the gap gets early in the season, it takes that much more later in the season to make up that ground. Yeah, and, and United sitting there level with points with Newcastle of negative goal negative, differential. Yeah. And and I think I saw something where they were they have one of the top two easiest schedules to start the season. So they're like the exact opposite of Newcastle. Um, so, you know, there is room for, or there is reason for concern there if you're you're a fan of United because it, it doesn't necessarily get any easier. It's going to be up to the squad and up to Ten Hag to kind of figure it out. And then there's Chelsea, which I think we like to laugh about. And, and at a certain point, I'm just sitting here waiting for the other shoe to drop where something is, is going to click for them. Right? There's just way too much, you know, way too many talented players on that squad that, you know, albeit maybe over, you know, paid for, but still talented nonetheless. And for them to continue to struggle this way where they're, you know, they haven't gotten, they've gotten one win so far this season. I think they said they've gotten uh, five wins in the calendar year of 2023 in the Premier League. It's it's astonishingly bad. And again, I'm bringing up all these stats I've seen on the weekend. There's a table of, you know, if you look at all the matches in calendar year of 2023, like what the points table looks like. And, and so obviously the newly promoted clubs are, are way at the bottom because they've only played five matches or four matches. And then you have the three clubs that were relegated into championship because obviously they're short five matches. But right after that, it's Everton and then Chelsea uh, as, as numbers uh, eight, or 17 and 16. And I think that's a very damning thing for this club right now because they've been spending money nonstop. Yeah. And really, they're trying to plug holes in a sinking ship with dollar bills, and it's just not working. Um, I kind of thought that Pochettino was going to do a good job. I guess maybe the situation with Chelsea has kind of changed. You know, I've always said that, that Pochettino is, is the type of manager that does well with a, a relatively a strong but not like juggernaut style squad where it's like yeah we've got some good players we've got some you know glue guys and and i can get the best out of them and maybe overachieve on those expectations and, and he's maybe not the right guy for a club that's going to try to compete at the highest of level every year um and, and maybe that's what chelsea is doing right now right with all the money they're spending he, he's probably struggling to kind of figure out what the right pieces are and, and how they fit and I don't know exactly how aligned he is with, you know, their, you know, what Bowley's strategy is for the club. So um, there certainly needs to be something that gets figured out soon because, you know, when we talk about how like precarious Everton's situation is financially and what they need to achieve this season, right? Like they just need to not get relegated year in and year out to kind of get the books starting to get balanced. With Chelsea, it's similar, but for them, it's like they have to make like European football of some capacity. And if they're not doing that, then there will be some financial fair play implications in some capacity whether it's you know a, a transfer ban for you know a year or two or if it's you know worse like a points deduction then you're actually looking at a, a pretty serious situation where you have all these players tied on to these eight-year contracts that are underperforming mm -hmm. you're not getting the revenue in to kind of offset the, the their wages you're not gonna be able to move them for transfer fees because no one's gonna want to take on these large contracts for five six seven yeah. years they're going to be stuck with it for, for, you know, the next, you know, foreseeable future, I guess. Yeah, it could really create a really negative situation for them, uh, a really troublesome one, like you said. Um, I guess the other thing to point out in the calendar, or the table, rather, before we move to Serie A, is you mentioned the, the newly promoted teams in that calendar year table. Well, the season table, too, doesn't look good for those newly promoted clubs. Last year, the three two newly promoted clubs stayed up. Fulham actually finished mid-table. Uh, Forest was pretty comfortable toward the last couple of matches. Bournemouth survived uh, by four points, I believe it was. This year right now, Lutton Town, I know they've played one less match than everybody, so has Burnley because one of those matches got postponed. But 
Lutton Town, no points in in four, which isn't that surprising considering um, what we expected from them. Burnley, zero points so far. I mean, rather, one point so far off a draw. Sheffield United, also one point so far. And there's Everton tied with uh, Burnley and Sheffield on one. Uh, you mentioned the, the trouble they're in. But interesting to see how tough the transition's been back into the Premier League for Burnley. Uh, they were up a couple of years ago. And then Sheffield and, and Lutton Town, who have been out of the Premier League for much longer, uh, having a difficult time too. I know Sheffield's played some close matches, some tough losses. Like this week in particular, like losing that match to Tottenham can really... I think hurt the player's psyche. Um, definitely something to keep an eye on. Also, the other thing I noticed, I didn't realize until I was looking at the table as you were talking about them, Chelsea have only scored five goals in five matches. They've only conceded five, but they've only scored five. Yeah. And that, to me, is is the troublesome part. Because if you can d- defend to the point where you can only concede five and five, that's pretty go- darn good. Um, but when you're only scoring five with the talent that they've brought in, that is, is very troublesome. Yeah, our, our Patreon patrons will know this because we've had the the team total under one and a half for Chelsea as a, a prop um, for the weekend and a few of these these weekend picks, and and they've hit, um, I think, two out of the three times we've yeah. had it. So um, it, it is a trend. Um, you know, Nicholas Jackson has underwhelmed. Obviously, they lost in Kunku, which is going to hurt, but still, they're like, you know, they it's not like they're short on players. Yeah. They've they've bought plenty of you know talented wingers that just haven't turned out. I mean, when Raheem Sterling is your most clinical finisher. It's a, it's a yeah. bad sign. He's like we we we've made our Twitter following off of meeting him when he misses these these really close chances and uh, yeah having him. I mean, listen, he's having a good season. Don't get me wrong, but it, that's not really where you want to be as a club where where you're relying on him to be the the guy that puts everything in the back of the net. As far as the the newly promoted clubs go, I think Burnley is the biggest disappointment yeah. for me. Um, winning the championship in the way that they did, you know, leading the, t- the league in goals scored, and and with you know Vincent Company as this you know up and coming manager that people were pretty high on, T- to sputter this early, it's it's certainly a little disappointing. You'd have liked to have seen them getting at least one result, um, and and yeah, they did just get their their first point on Monday against Nottingham Forest, and you know it was an okay result. Um, Forest aren't exactly the strongest squad right now, but. Uh, there hasn't been a whole lot to kind of hang your hat on if you're a fan of of, of Burnley. Um, Lutton Town, I, I think we're all kind of on the same page here where you know, they, they aren't really expecting to stay up. They didn't really spend like some of these clubs that are promoted like you would expect you to try to stay in the Premier League. They kind of are trying to do the sustainable approach where it's like, hey, we're up here, we're taking the money, we're going to invest in our infrastructure, invest in like the back end of the club and try to make something that can grow and maybe be back up in another couple of years, you know, and then we can maybe start to spend on players. And it's admirable, right? When we talk about like what Chelsea's doing and the reckless spending that they have on players, this is kind of the opposite of that. It's just, you know, it's a big risk because it, you, you can't take that promotion for granted. Yeah. You're not just necessarily going to come back up if you go back down. So, you know, you can talk to some of the, the other clubs like Sunderland and Watford and, and uh, Norwich, uh, just how hard it is to kind of get back into the Premier League once you, you take that drop. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I've, I've seen it and said, yeah, you have these couple of clubs that are like kind of those yo-yo clubs that can come up and down every few years. But there's some of those clubs that were up a few, four, five, six years ago and, and they've not even been heard of or maybe are down in the city of Chi now. And, and that's, I think, what Lundtown has to watch out for because Sunderland went through it. Sunderland went down to League One. Now they're back in the, the championship and it is hard to get back. And Sunderland's a club with a, a pretty decent following up in the, in the Northeast there. So, uh, yeah, something to keep an eye on. And... Before we get into this match week, let's just recap Serie A a little bit too. A couple big head-to-heads in Serie A this weekend. Juve opened the weekend with a big 3-1 win at home against Lazio. I know uh, Chiesa and Vlaovic both scored early in that one to really put that one to rest really early on after Lazio had gotten a big win against Napoli just a couple weeks prior before the international break. Dampened those spirits there. Inter in our feature match, huge, huge 5-1 victory in the derby against AC Milan. I know Inter last season dominated the Derby outside of one match when they met five times between the Super Cup and, and the, the Champions League and all that. I think they met five times, Inter won four of them, or they won three, drew one, and, and lost one. Well, this one, it was a no-doubter. Mkhitaryan scored in the fifth minute, uh, Turham in the 38th. Um, then Milan got one back in the 57th. said, okay, maybe it's game on. No, it wasn't because Mkhitaryan again in the 69th. Chalinoglu, a penalty in the 79th, and then Fratesi put the icing on the cake, 90 plus three. Uh, but the fifth goal, a 5-1 win, dominant, dominant performance from the Nerozzurri uh, in a match that featured the and only a, two unbeatens before that. A picture-perfect match to show that possession doesn't mean everything because Milan had 60% possession in this match, but certainly did not look like even 
close to being the better side at any point. So uh, it just kind of goes to show that's that old adage. It's not about how much possession you have. It's about what you do with it. And Inter certainly made the most of it. This yeah, match. for sure. Um, Napoli, another disappointing result. 2-2 against Genoa on the road at uh, at Genoa. Wow. Uh, they had to actually come back from a 2-0 deficit in that one. Very close to losing that match outright. So they've got to kind of figure things out. They played tomorrow in the Champions League. We'll see how they bounce back from that. Fiorentina, big 3-2 home win against Atalanta in in a match of clubs that are looking to challenge for top four, that maybe aren't the teams that are pegged early on as top four clubs, but they uh, they came out with the 3-2 win. And then uh, the other team that wants to be a top four team is my Roma, Jose Mourinho's Roma. Huge, huge win against Empoli. Of course, it's the one weekend I was out of town visiting family for the day. I didn't get to watch that match live, but I certainly enjoyed the uh, alerts coming through my Apple Watch every few minutes as they put up a touchdown on Empoli, plus the extra point. It was 7 nothing. I mean, this was the first match where Lukaku started, first match where he was teamed with Dybala. Renato Sanchez got the start after he missed a couple matches. Uh, I mean, everybody got in on it. Uh, Belotti off the bench had two assists. It was a Dybala brace. He almost had a, a hat trick as he hit the crossbar on a beautiful free kick. Um, Sanchez scored. Cristante scored. Lukaku, Mancini. Uh, and then there was an own goal mixed in there, too. But, I mean... We'll see how it pans out now with the Europa League Thursday. They go to Sheriff in Moldova. That's a club some people may remember from Champions League a few years ago. Um, and then they go to Torino on Sunday. But just from a Roma perspective, for me, what I'm looking for is, can they prove that this wasn't a fluke? Now, they're not going to obviously score seven goals every match, but can they consistently score two to three goals? Empoli look like, right now, the worst team in Serie A. They are on zero points, the only team in the league on zero points. Um, but very, very big win for Roma. Um in the table just because that, that was their first win of the season in four matches and just kind of where we are now scotty after that derby win inter the only perfect record in the league at four and oh 13 goals scored that one against milan the only one conceded uh goal, plus 12 goal differential in four matches with 12 points juve the only other uh not the only other unbeaten i, I gotta say because i gotta go a little further down for another but juve three wins one draw on 10 points then it's milan on nine they have three wins and a loss and then there's lecce Two wins, two draws, unbeaten through four matches. Uh, the team from Puglia, shout out to Puglia, where my family is originally from, on eight points. And then it's Napoli on seven. I mean, the, the Serie A table, if, if if I asked you to rattle it off after, you know, four match weeks, try to predict where the, what the top seven would be. I don't think you could have said Inter, Juve, Milan, maybe. But then Lecce, Napoli, Frosinone, Torino, round out the top seven. And Frosinone and Lecce. Lazio all the way down. In, yeah. Yeah, Lazio all the way down 15th, too. With just those three points against Napoli. And Frosinone and Lecce were two clubs that were vi- being pegged by most for, for relegation. And, and these are big points for them early in the season. Frosinone rattled off four unanswered after going down 2 nothing to Sassuolo. Sassuolo's got to look themselves in the mirror a little bit. That was a very bad loss. Um, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of you know surprising you know pieces in this table right now. It's... It's why we like watching Serie A because it's it's very much an even league. There, there's never really going to be this traditional top six. I mean, of course, you have like the like the the you know Inter's and the Milan's and Juve's who will, will be in there in the mix, but they'll have off years. And like we're seeing now with Lazio and, and Roma, having a big win helps them, but they're still in twelfth in the table right now. It, it gives space for a lot of these other clubs, like for the Frosinone and the and the Torinos, to kind of make their way up the table and and you know look pretty good in the process yeah and, and you know last year Udinese was a team that started hot for about 10 matches and they didn't finish in any European spot I don't know if they even finished in the top half by the end of it but it just gave them that boost to stay completely out of the relegation race that sometimes they're dragged into the the fringes of it and I think that's what kind of what the start of the season can do for Lecce and uh, might do that for Frosinone who I thought was the worst team in the league coming into the season they're clearly not so far um, and it really puts more pressure on Salernitana, Cagliari, Sassuolo, Udinese, who are off to really slow starts along with Empoli, where maybe some of them who we didn't expect to maybe be in that mix a little bit later in the season may. They might get hot the next couple weeks and completely pull themselves out of it. It's only four matches, so we, we can't read too much into it. Um, but three points through... Four matches for like Lazio, Udinese, Sassuolo, a bit surprising. Roma with only four is a bit surprising, especially when you look at the way the table pans out. But you're right. That's why Serie A is so entertaining because it's very unpredictable. I mean, Napoli, to me, after coming off that loss to Lazio, to me, that was like a, a not a shoe in, but like that's like one of those ones where you like put put a couple of units on and you feel comfortable. And 
that it wasn't the case. I actually live bet them uh, at zero zero. I think about the fortieth minute, and then literally like two minutes later, they they conceded, and then I'm following the game tracker. I wasn't actually watching the match. They conceded again. I'm like, so much for that one. And uh, I was texting Nick about that. He's like, yeah, let's ride. And then I text him. And he goes, oh, no, I never took it. I was waiting until halftime. I'm like, <laughs> like, come on, you, you you hung me out to dry here, and um, they only got the draw. So it's something to definitely keep an eye at. And, and losses and draws like that come back to haunt those kind of teams later in the season. And Inter right now is the only one really handling their business. Juve's pretty much handled their business too so far. I mean, Milan lost a big head-to-head, but it's the way they lost that. that that's that's the, the eye-opener for me. Um, something to keep an eye on, though. This coming weekend, I'll just go through the matches quick because we're going we're gonna to focus on the Premier League. No real big head-to-heads in terms of top seven, but we have uh, Juve is traveling to Sassuolo. Uh, Verona is traveling to Milan, so we'll see if Milan can bounce back. Lazio hosts Monza. Inter travels to Empoli. Atalanta hosts Cagliari. Napoli goes to Bologna. Roma goes to Torino. Fiorentina goes to Udinese. Uh, Genoa uh, plays at Lecce on Friday. Frozenone at Salernitana on Friday as well. So those Friday matches could be big for Frozenone and Lecce to kind of keep accumulating points. We'll see. And then, as you saw, the other kind of eight sides that are expected to compete for top seven, those European places all don't play each other. So that they'll all be favored in those matches. So um, let's go over the Premier League, Scott, because we want to focus on the North London Derby. I'll just run through a couple other ones to keep an eye on. So the calendar this weekend, City hosts Nottingham Forest, Palace hosts Fulham, Luttontown hosts Wolves, Brentford hosts Everton, Burnley hosts Manchester United. Maybe that's Burnley's opportunity to get uh, a win. Who knows? Chelsea hosts Aston Villa. It'll be a tough one for for Chelsea to get out of their rut. Uh, Then we said the North London Derby is 9 a.m. on Sunday. Your Liverpool at the same time hosts West Ham. Not an easy one there. Brighton Brighton hosts Bournemouth and Sheffield hosts Newcastle to round out the, uh, the Sunday slate. So... Before we jump into the North London Derby, anything you want to point out quick in those other ones? Yeah, I think uh, it's a good test for Chelsea. You know, Aston Villa have been down the last two weeks, but still a strong side, you know, nonetheless. At home, if Chelsea want to show any sort of life, like now is the time. So I would hope that they come out in a big way here. Uh, you called out Burnley, Manchester United. If, if, if Manchester United drop points to Burnley in this one, I think you're going to start to see some real... Uh, Twitter will be an interesting place to be after yeah. that match. I will just put it that way. Uh, and then Brentford Everton. Um, I don't know why. I, I just have a feeling that this might be the match where Everton kind of shows some life. I mean, they, they kind of have to, right? I mean, Brentford's been doing okay, but they're not the same team as they were last year with Ivan Tony leading the line. So if Everton's ever nope. going to get a road win early in the season here before things get really tough, this might be the one where they're going to have to do it. Yeah, and they showed some signs. I mean, they they lost to Arsenal on the weekend, but it was it was one yeah. nothing. Um, so it wasn't exactly a, a poor performance from them. I think I said that on our podcast last week, where I said they don't necessarily have to win this match, but they just have to look respectable, and, and Which they, they did. did. Uh, so now it's 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 time to kind of turn that into like let's start seeing some results. Yeah. So we'll see how they do against Brentford. All right, so let's get into it. The North North London Derby is a big one. I I personally didn't expect. Spurs have 13 points heading into this one. They're even with Arsenal in the table. They're uh, joined second along with uh, Liverpool. Um, yeah, the three of them are all joined second. It's just goal differential separates them. Spurs are plus eight. Arsenal's plus five. So that's why they're they're second and fourth. Liverpool's mixed in there and third technically. Um, heading into this one, it's Arsenal at home. So it's at the Emirates. And we have our... Numbers for you, money line, Arsenal minus 140, draw plus 330, Spurs also plus 330. Uh, draw no bet, Spurs plus 230, and the double chance is plus 110. So some big numbers on Spurs considering how well they've played so far. Uh, over three is the, the kind of number line you have to go with if you're going to go over under it. And the over is minus 130, the under is minus 105. Both teams have scored minus 190, so they are expecting goals here at the books. Home team is 5-1 in these last six meetings. Arsenal's win at Spurs the last time out was the only away win, and the way last season played out, it's not surprising that was the only away win because Arsenal was much better last season. Uh, Tottenham's offense is clicking. They've scored two-plus goals in all their Premier League matches so far. Arsenal's been kind of grinding out results, not as easy going as last season. One goal victories over Forest, Palace, and Everton, maybe not what we would have expected. They had that back-and-forth draw with Fulham, and really their only handy win, uh, handily, was Manchester United 3-1. Um... So, Scotty, 
we're getting into this. We threw a lot of numbers out there. They do play midweek uh, Arsenal. They host PSV Wednesday in the opening Champions League match. Spurs is off. They didn't finish in, in a European spot last year. How much do you see that affecting the match? And what do you make of these lines? Yeah, it's, you know, I think it's all, we kind of talked how books were, were maybe undervaluing Tottenham. And, and I thought after, the, you know, the lines this weekend for them against Sheffield United, they're kind of catching up because there wasn't a lot of value there. This kind of seems like they're reverting back to what they expect from from the previous season. Um, you know, obviously you mentioned that Arsenal are five and one in this fixture. So uh, maybe that's certainly playing a role in it, but it's not really indicative of, of how these teams are performing at the current point in this season. Uh, yeah, I think the the long term outlook for Arsenal is certainly going to be maybe a bit higher than than Arsenal or than uh, Tottenham. Tottenham, um, but where we are right now is you know Tottenham are, are are moving on on all cylinders, right? They've you know it's like you scored multiple goals in, in every single match so far this season. Um, certainly don't look to have you know missed a beat with with Harry Kane leaving. Uh, I think that in a weird way has helped them out in certain pieces because it's allowed. Uh, you know James Madison to come in. He's now sitting in this this ten role where I think may may have had to place Hingman's son uh, had he not been there. Um, they've allowed uh, uh, Kulusevski to kind of become like the main creative force. Um, it's it's just like they they now have a very well balanced attack. It's it's not being driven entirely through Kane. Kane's not being like the focal point. It's coming at all angles. It's really hard to defend. Um, I think their defense is a, a, a huge surprise. Um, not sorry, the defense, their midfield's a huge surprise. You know, Yves Busuma has been a, a key player for them. Um, Benton Gore has looked okay when he's on. Uh, I think that, you know, was going to be a big question mark for them. Um, and it, and it's been working. So, uh, it's very hard to, to ignore the value on Tottenham here. I think, you know, if we're looking at like the best bets here, if they're plus plus one ten double chance, that's, that's really where it makes the most sense. Um, but for Arsenal, I, I feel like something's going to change. You know, Jesus has been coming off the bench, you know, for the last few matches. I think he's pretty healthy at this point. If he starts, I think it's a, a world of change for this Arsenal team. Because like you said, they, they've grinded out a bunch of results and a lot of one-goal wick wins. Really no dominant performances aside from the Manchester United game, which, you know, based on Manchester United's form, doesn't look all that impressive. So can they do something that, to shake things up and get this offense going? That might be the move. Yeah, they're they're going to have to shake it up, and I, I think the midweek is is going to have an effect on this match a little bit because Spurs will come in nice and healthy. Um, they're not going to have to to put ninety minutes out there against a, a team like PSV. Luckily for Arsenal, they don't have to travel, which helps a little bit. Um, Jesus starting would would be big for this team because, like you said, they're not scoring at the rate we saw them scoring last year. They've had to grind out those matches. The double chance number stood out to me too because I mean money line. Number stood out to me for for Spurs too, but I'm not taking the money line at Arsenal. I think that that would be a bit risky. But in terms of double chance, I could easily see this being a draw. And then if you're playing that at plus 110, you, you cash a little better than even money on a draw. Um, I do think Arsenal should be slightly favored at home. They, they proved it last season against Spurs head-to-head, but you can't ignore what Spurs is doing. I, I think the books are definitely undervaluing them right now. And I, I think this could be an opportunity where, especially if they could get first goal... I think they have a good chance of cashing the double chance. Yeah, and it's also worth noting, you know, Arsenal's defense at home haven't had a clean sheet yet this season. So they've conceded to Forrest, they conceded two to Fulham, they conceded to United. I don't think they're keeping a clean sheet here. So uh, obviously the the books expect goals. That's why the, the total is set at, you know, three instead of two and a half. But if you're banking on one team right now to get multiple goals, given what, Arsenal's defensive have shape has been in, in, in these home matches and, and how Tottenham have been playing, I would certainly point to Tottenham getting multiple goals again in this one, um, which means if you're going to lose this bet, Arsenal's have to score three. Yeah. So it's a tall task. Yeah, and, and I'm going to check real quick. I'm just curious what their team total number is because if you think they could get at least two and maybe they lose 3-2 or you know you you, you want to just give it a shot because they, you think they might concede a few to Arsenal, um, let's see. I'm guessing. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say Arsenal's team total over one and a half is probably like minus one fifty, and then Spurs are probably like minus one twenty. So Arsenal over one and a half is minus one eighty five. So that's pretty much unplayable. But if you're looking at Spurs to score two goals, they're plus one sixty over one and a half team total. Plus one sixty. So 
that is something, even if you think Arsenal can win this match, maybe you think Spurs can put up a couple on their own, and you could, if you think they could at least get this to a 2-2, then you could cash 160 instead of 110 if you think they could at least get this to a 2-2 or even lose 3-2. Um, so something to yeah, keep an eye on. That's, that's a big number. It's something something I'm going to keep an eye on. I might take a shot on it because they, they've been scoring consistently. Now, it took them very, very yeah. long last match to get those two goals. They got them. It did. Um it did. But importantly, one of those goals was Richarlison, who mm. we've said is the guy that needs to get going. He's the, he's the one player in this attack. I didn't mention him when I was saying, you know, Harry Kane left and everything has been going well. It's because he's not been playing well. I think that was his first goal in the Premier League um, for, for Tottenham. So uh, if that is like what opens the door for him and, and now he's kind of, you know, got the monkey off his back, that could be a very positive yeah. sign for, for Hotspurs. Um, but if it was just a fluky thing and he's going to go back to another 27 game, you know, drought or whatever it was, uh, coming into this, then, it, you know, it, maybe it's a little bit of concern. Yeah, it could be, you know, big goal tied the match and then Kulisevsky won it. Maybe, maybe it's a goal that gets him going. That, that's a good point too, because just as big as getting Jesus back for Arsenal, getting Richarlison and actually going after all these matches could be even potentially bigger for them in terms of their top four quest, I think, uh, after they had a very disappointing year last year. So, Scott, anything else you want to get into in this one before we head to our locks of the week? No, I think uh, I think this match maybe we'll we'll put out some some Patreon props for this. Um, I think there'll be lots of goal score opportunities here. Um, curious to see what the lines are. We kind of talked about it in our group chat, but the anytime goal score lines seem a little deflated this year. Um, a lot of a lot of goal score lines in the, like the minus one fifty to plus one fifty range, which is never all that enticing. But I think here. With the names that you'll have in play, you know, either side, you can probably list four or five guys that have as good of a chance to score as anybody. Um, so we'll, we'll probably put out that list maybe once we get a little closer to game time and, and have that full the full odds. Yeah, nothing up yet on DraftKings in terms of still early in the week, I guess, for that. But I'm sure there's going to be some pretty decent numbers, especially on the Tottenham side, considering the, the numbers are getting money line. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that. Uh, just like last week, if you were with us, we're going to Scott and I will bounce back and forth on our picks. We'll give Nick's three picks at the end since he's not with us. He'll be back next week, he promises. So, Scott, give it to us. What do you got first? Hopefully no first-half money lines. Yeah, no first-half money lines this time. Um, I am going to take a pick that I don't really know how to describe it. It feels like it's a bad pick, but it's so bad I have to take it. Um, Wolverhampton money line is plus 120 at Luton Town. Talked about Luton Town. They have not looked good at all this season. They look very much like a team that's destined for relegation. Um, Wolverhampton were kind of like the popular pick coming into the season as like a nice little future because they lost their manager and they didn't invest in the club in the summer. They lost Raul Jimenez. I don't think they're actually that bad. They're not good, right? They, they, they got smoked by Liverpool, especially in the second half, but they had moments where they looked pretty decent. Um, they have enough guys up top. Like I think Pedro Neto is, is still one of like the most underappreciated wingers in the Premier League right now. I think he's great. Um, their defense is not the defense of, you know, two seasons ago where I was taking them as an easy under week in and week out. But I think there's enough there for them to get multiple goals against, especially against uh, Luton Town, who, you know, have not shown the, the defensive prowess of a team that's, you know, going to stay up. So uh, the the plus 120 makes me nervous just because it seems like it's too much value in a weird way. Like if this was minus 110, I would love the pick because it feels more, you know, fair. And, and it's something that I feel like is a certainty, but uh, at plus 120, I mean, I can't, I can't pass up. I, everything in my gut says that that Wolverhampton are going to get three points here, so I'm just going to take it and and hopefully one one of these finally goes my way. Yeah, I think when you see a number like that, not that Wolves is a juggernaut of any kind, but when you see them getting that number at Lutton Town, who's had such issues, I, I think you have to jump on that number. So I have no problem with you taking that there at, at plus 120, especially considering when the books have Lutton Town at plus 235 at home. It says something about how they feel about them, even at home. Yeah. All right, so my first one, this is one Nick also loved, but I got it before him, and when you're not here, you don't get first pick. So I am going, going Juve Moneyline minus 120 at Sassuolo. Unlike the rest of the top four hopefuls in Serie A, Juve won't have to juggle midweek European fixtures this week, whether it be Champions League, Europa League, or Conference League, for reasons that we talked about plenty on the pod last season. Uh, it's an advantage that should play in their favor for, for at least the first half of the season while all these other clubs are involved in European fixtures. We'll see how long that lasts for those other clubs. But it's an advantage for Juve, and they're playing Sassuolo, who blew a 2-0 lead against Frozenone en route to conceding four times. 
Uh, give me the Bianco Neri all day in this one. I, I don't see how Juve loses when Cesspool's defense is like so poor. I mean, porous isn't even the word. It's like there, there's there's flooding going on back there. The, the the dam has broken. It's it's bad. So if you give a four to Frozenone and you're playing Juve the next week, that just scored three on a Lazio defense that had been really good last season. I'm going with Juve all day at minus one twenty. Yeah, given what we talked about at the beginning of this episode, where you know Juve and Inter are kind of like the two clubs that remain unblemished. I know Lecce technically are, but really the in the top, it's Juve and Inter. Them being this close to being even money for a win against a team like Sassuolo who are struggling, it's it's very interesting. It's a very good line. I, I certainly don't mind. I see why you and Nick both love yeah. it. I'm going to hesitate to say that I love it because usually when that happens, it loses. Yeah. Anytime all three of us love something, it loses. That's when so Berardi goes and scores the hat trick love it. and it, it all goes downhill. Right. I will refrain from, from throwing any praise on it. I see what you guys are getting at, though. All right. For my second pick, uh, I talked about Wolves being an easy under club from two seasons ago. I think I found my new easy under club for this season, and that's Crystal Palace. Um, they play Fulham uh, this week. Uh, it's The under two and a half is minus 135. Look, Crystal Palace, outside of Eduard, don't really have anybody that's scoring goals. Etse has been okay this season. He's, he's certainly been slow. The only guy that has a goal outside from those two uh, is Joachim Anderson, who is a center back that got his goal off of a corner kick. Uh, they have six goals so far in five matches. Uh, they love to play this like low block defensive counter game, but they don't quite have the pieces to make it an explosive attack. Fulham on the other side aren't really exactly lighting it up after they've lost Mitrovic. Um, you know, they, they managed just one goal against Luton Town last weekend, so not exactly a, a promising performance from them. I think this is as easy of an under you'll find across any league this week. And it's minus 135. It's, you know, it's right on the fringe of where I would start, you know, lay off. But you can't argue with results. And I think in where we are right now in need of wins, like this is certainly one that we have to take. Yeah, when you see an under at minus 135, you know, the, the books are not expecting goals. And when both teams have a combined 11 goals scored in 10 matches played, uh, there, there's a reason for that. So as long as the, the Palace defense holds up, like it, it tends to do pretty pretty tightly um and you know Villa got to him late but they don't concede a lot they don't score a lot Fulham hasn't scored a lot I I, I see where you're going with that one um another one where I found a, a great number on the club it's Real Madrid this is draw no bet at minus 120 at Atletico it's not every day you get this kind of number on Real especially draw no bet their, their money line was somewhere I think it was like plus 140 or plus 130 but I'm going uh with the draw no bet because derbies can be a bit unpredictable but I love the Merengues in this one, especially after the way Atletico played their last two matches on the weekend. They screwed us. They got absolutely hammered by Valencia. I think it was 3-1 was the final score. And then today they were 3-0. They didn't, they didn't even, even score. score. I'm just trying to make them better than Jerks. they were. Um, then today in the Champions League, Lazio's goalkeeper, Ivan Providel, scored a 95th minute tying goal. Uh, that has to deflate you somewhat heading into a derby. Uh, I, I don't know what Real Madrid is going to do on Wednesday. We'll see. They host... Uh, Union Berlin, but you don't pass a Real Madrid at minus 120, draw no bet. No, and Atletico tricked us. Um, if they if they fuck us here, they might have to get added to a banned list of some they sort. They could be. They're, they're trending in that direction. You know who scores, I'll, I'll propose that to Nick when he comes back. You know back. who scores the winner if they do fuck us, right? It's got to be Morata. Oh. oh, yeah. That fucking <laughs> guy. Yeah, I can see that. All right, my final lock. I'm being a little creative. Um, I'm going to call this the Sunday special because both of these teams are playing on Sunday. It's Brighton and Newcastle. It's a money line parlay. Comes out to right now, it's plus 101, so it's about even money. Uh, Brighton are hosting Burnmouth, and following that, uh, Newcastle are taking a trip to Sheffield United. Uh, look, we talked about how good Brighton have been this season. They're on a tear. I don't see Burnmouth, uh, you know, causing any any headaches for them. So this should be an easy win for Brighton. I think they're like minus 220 on the money line. Very heavy favorite. Newcastle's the one that I'm a little bit concerned about, right? They haven't exactly gotten off to flying start, schedule aside. So this is really the time for them to start turning things around. Yes, Sheffield United had an almost great result against Tottenham, but in the end it did not come to fruition. They also picked up a red card in that match in the in the aftermath. So they're going to be down uh, a player. Uh, it was um, Ollie McBurney. So missing him for this match uh also just this you know the mental effects of that having this this three points so close in your grasp and then letting it go in like the most unfathomable way possible it's deflating so uh i think newcastle can finally start to turn it around um they looked 
okay against Milan in the Champions League. Uh, they managed to hold out for a 0-0 draw. You know, Milan kind of helped out by shooting everything they had at uh, Nick Pope, so didn't really challenge him too much. But I think this is really where, if they want to make another push to be a European qualified team and, and be considered as you know a new entrance to this this top six, this is one where they're going to have to win. So I'm going to parlay these two together. I think they both should win handedly. Comes out to even money, so I'll just make that my lock. Is that our first ever parlayed lock of of the pod? I think it might be. Yeah, because right? I used to kind of flirt with uh, the pod parlay, yeah. where I kind of throw some things around, but. Those were always like, listen, any parlay is going to be a shot in the, you know, but in the dark in, in certain regards. But with these two teams, they're both like minus 220, minus 240 on the money line. I think they're both pretty good shots to get wins, albeit Newcastle going on the road. I still think it, it's it's as lucky as you'll get with a parlay. All right. I have to do this after, after what I saw last weekend. It's Roma team total over one and a half at plus 190 at Torino. Uh, Torino's tough to break down. That is true of these Ivan Juric coach sides. But Roma's coming off scoring a touchdown against Empoli, like I mentioned. I'm banking on the Lukaku-Dybala partnership to be clicking enough to get at least two here at an insane number. I mean, if this was like minus minus 110 or even money, I'm probably not taking it because you could find other, other value elsewhere at maybe something that's a little more likely to hit. But if they play... Well enough to score more than multiple goals at um, Sheriff in Moldova on Thursday in the Europa League. I think they do it again here against Torino. I think they find a start, or at least I hope they start to find their footing. And and over one and a half is not a huge number for for Roma to hit. I mean they they've done it in a few matches this season. Um, and plus one nine is a huge number. It would do a a, a big thing for our uh, overall season season record after last weekend. Coach, you are playing a dangerous game right yeah, now that's, because that's what I tend to do. if they have not scored at halftime, I don't think you can watch the second half. That's true. You just said how they scored seven goals in the game right, you did not yeah. watch. If you start watching these games and they go back to not scoring, you may have to just take one for the team and stop watching them. Yeah, play. or if, or if something comes up family-wise that I can't watch it on Sunday and they do put up like three, four goals again, it's I might be on like probation. It's, it's a very <laughs> dangerous line you're walking right now. All right, let's go through Nick's picks. Um, so as we mentioned, Nick is in Las Vegas, and I assume drinking ample amounts of alcohol based off of what he's listed here because one of these picks, Coach, is something I'd never thought never he'd thought do. Never thought he'd do it. taking Lazio, money line at minus 120 versus Monza. Listen, I, I get it. It's Monza, but Nick never bets on Lazio. He is almost as big of a fader of his club as I am. Maybe, Maybe he is bigger now because they've been losing so much, but... Yeah, his first lock of the, the week is going to be Lazio Moneyline, expecting Sari to turn it around after maybe that that, that uh, Champions League equalizer. Maybe that's what is the, the pivot point in their season, and this is the, their road upwards. I guess that's what he's, he's thinking. When, when you said you thought he was drinking a lot in Vegas, I, that wasn't even one of his three that I thought you were talking about oh, well, because— There's two There's two he, here that are questionable. He, I took the Lazio one to make fun yeah, of Yeah, well, he apparently is the biggest Bologna fan since last season, right? He was tweeting about Bologna and Orsolini and all this. And this week, not only is he picking Lazio, going with the team of his heart, and not the team that he's jumped in the bandwagon, but he is fading Bologna. He's going Napoli, money line minus 120 at Bologna. Uh, Nick, I don't know. I don't know. Definitely a lot of drinking going on. putting these into the dock, I think. Could also be drugs, too. <laughs> I hear there's drugs in Las Vegas. I don't know. We may have to have Nick do a piss test when he gets back, because this is, <laughs> this is bananas. I will say this last one is maybe some some cause for for hope here because he did take Fiorentina money line at plus one thirty at Udinese. That one I can get behind. Uh, Fiorentina have, have looked pretty decent this season, all things considered. So um, maybe he's found some value here and some redemption, even if those first two are are a little batshit insane. All right, and that brings us to our pod lock. This is maybe one of the quickest pod locks we've we've ever found because we we tend to go back and forth either over text or right before we record. Uh, when we're all on in this one, we we agreed quick when I threw it out in the group text. It is Inter team total over two and a half at Empoli, plus 120. The best team in Serie A, Inter, is coming off that 5-1 derby victory over Milan that we talked about. The worst team in Serie A right now, Empoli, is coming off that 7-0 beatdown against Roma that we talked about. Uh, it cost their manager, Paolo Zanetti, his job as they are winless. They have zero points in four matches. We like Inter to cruise while scoring at least three. Inter will be playing... 
tomorrow, Wednesday in the Champions League. But we, we just love this this number. I, I think Inter has been firing on all cylinders, and I don't think Empoli's getting in the way of that. So plus 120. Yeah, vibes are at an all-time high for Inter, and you can tell because Lautaro Martinez is, is asking for a contract extension. Usually that doesn't come out in the midweek where you just have a player saying, yeah, I want my contract to be extended. I want to be here for a long time. Usually that only happens when, when you know, drinks are flowing and, and people are happy. And, and, and that's certainly where Inter's at right now, given the start to their season. Yeah, and, and one, we went 4-2 and two in our steady out props that Nick and I put out on Patreon last week. And one of the ones we lost was Lautaro Martinez, two or more shots. To make it even more impressive, they scored five goals without Lataro even putting a shot on target in that match. So that, that just kind of shows how yeah. they were really just clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, and hey, maybe maybe Lautaro can chip in too this time. Maybe he feels a little left out, and he can get us two-thirds of the way there. Yeah, so I think that's where we'll wrap. Next week, Nick will be back, and hopefully he'll be coming back celebrating his three drunken picks from, from Vegas. So we are, of course, on Twitter at KicksPicksPod. If you're listening on your favorite pod platform, we are on YouTube now as well, KicksPicksPodcast, um, for our video ed- episodes. Or if you're watching on YouTube and you want to listen in the car, of course, find us on any of your favorite pod platforms. We thank you for listening. Give us a follow. Share with your friends who might be interested in winning a little money. And uh, thanks, as always, for listening.